0: We've come in our second lesson in the gospel according to John. We've come to one of my favorite characters in scripture. Uh, there's so much I want to say about him and I, I just, I, I can't. It will sum in the message, but he's always, he's, he's quite different than I am, but He's all I've just always been fascinated by John the baptizer, and I got up this morning and and laughed and uh I put on my camel hair coat and brown belt uh John the Baptist wore the original uh camel hair and a brown belt. that's what we read about him uh he ate locusts and honey and those were not locusts that fly around that was uh, locusts came up it was a kind of pod that came out of came off of a, a locust tree a locust bush uh, very high in protein and he ate that in the wilderness along with wild honey so this morning i had curds and honey i had yogurt and honey with my, for john the baptist breakfast Before we look at this passage, let's pray and ask God's blessing. Oh, Father, every week we come to this point where we bow before you. We have sung our hymns of praise to you. We've said our prayers, confessed our faith, and now we wait for you to speak to us. Not John Sartell. But you speak to us. That's what all true preaching is, Father. You said it through through Paul, that all true preaching is a demonstration, the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray in these next few minutes that we would hear your voice in our hearts, that you would teach us. When we leave here in a few minutes, Father, may we know that we have heard your voice. Thank you, Father. We're your children. Just asking you to teach us. In Jesus' name. Amen. John the Baptizer. I know who I am and I know who Jesus is. That's what he was saying. That's what the apostle John was saying through John the baptizer in the passage we read this morning. In the past, I've played a game with friends. If you could meet and know anyone in history, whom would you choose? I would try to choose someone better than than the others had chosen. I wanted them to say, well, I wish I would have chosen that person. This week, as I studied this passage, I was reminded of that game. In this passage, John the Baptizer demonstrates that it is imperative to know two people. In the many times I played that game. There was one name that I never thought about, much less mentioned. I never said, I would want to know John Sartell. Didn't occur to me. Know thyself. We've heard that maxim. It's a maxim that's been handed down through the centuries. It originated in the Greek author and playwright. Aeschylus. He is known as the father of Greek tragedy. He lived 500 years before Christ. An author. Playwright. In his play, Prometheus Bound, Prometheus rails against the injustice of the gods, especially Zeus. Now Prometheus was what mythology called a titan god. It was the gods before the Olympian gods, and the Olympian gods Zeus and so on conquered the titan gods. In Prometheus Bound, Prometheus rails against the injustice of Zeus and the Olympian gods because Zeus has chained Prometheus to a great rock. He's, he's there, chained there. Oceanus, another Greek Titan god, comes to Prometheus. And warns him and tells him he would be wise to remember who he was. Remember who you are, Prometheus. Zeus is the chief god, the Olympian god of the Greek pantheon. He reminded Prometheus he can speak a word and you're dead. Prometheus was not as powerful as Zeus. And Oceanus was basically saying to Prometheus, you better know who you are. Know thyself. Know that you're not Zeus. Socrates and Plato, hundreds of years later, picked up on this and adapted it into their teaching. Scripture tells us that there is someone else that is even more important to know. In Jeremiah 9, it's on your scripture sheet, and this would be a wonderful verse for you to memorize. Um, Take it to heart. Get it set in your mind. Jeremiah 9, 23, 24. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him boast. Let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. That I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness, and righteousness in the earth. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. Know yourself and know God. John Calvin, in his tome, The Institutes of Christian Religion, agreed with Aeschylus. He said, it is important, it's imperative that you know yourself. Then he added... That no one can know themselves as they really are until they know God. It is in knowing God that we understand that we're not God ourselves. I'm not God. I'm not self-made. It is in knowing the holiness of God that we understand our own unholiness. Why am I telling you this? In the passage before us this morning, John the baptizer confesses that he knows who he is and he knows who Jesus is. Who was John the baptizer? Who was a strange prophet who appeared out of the wilderness there had not been a true prophet in Israel, a writing prophet, a prophet recorded in God's Word. There had not been a true prophet in Israel for 400 years. The last prophet had been Malachi. He wrote the last book of the Old Testament. God had been silent for four centuries. Then, out of the wilderness, comes John the baptist John the baptizer he was called John the baptist or the baptizer because he introduced a new baptism to Israel previously the only people baptized with water in Israel were proselytes proselytes we've talked about this proselytes were gentiles who became believers in the God of Israel. They were required to have a cleansing bath as they came to the faith. John came preaching that the Messiah was coming. Now Israel had looked for the Messiah for centuries, for hundreds of years. But John was not prophesying. They'd been talking about Messiah. Isaiah talked about the Messiah. Jeremiah talked about Messiah. But what John said was different. Now they made detailed references to his coming. But they were looking to a day in the future. In their terms, his coming may have been decades away. It may have been centuries away. John was saying, John the baptizer was saying, The Messiah is at the door, right at the door. In fact, he said he's already among us. Look at verse 26. John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. John was saying the Messiah is already here. Now put yourself A a Jewish citizen of Israel standing there. You've been looking for Messiah for centuries. You've read Isaiah and Jeremiah and their details account of his coming. You've read what Malachi said. And here is a man telling you the greatest preacher in Israel at that time. And he's telling you he is already here. That's something they had not heard. There was something else they had not heard. He was telling them that even the Jews, not the proselytes, but even the Jews, his fellow Jews needed the cleansing baptism that previously had only been required of pagans, Gentiles who had been converted. He insisted that everyone needed this cleansing in order. Why? In order to prepare for the Messiah. In our language, John was leading a revival that swept across Israel like a wildfire. He was not known just locally. He was known across all of Israel. He was known not only in Israel, but even throughout the region. People came, their people came by the thousands to hear John. They came from Jerusalem out to the wilderness. They came from Galilee. Jewish merchants and pilgrims from all over the Roman Empire came to hear him on their travels and pilgrimages to Jerusalem. We read in the Gospels that even the Roman soldiers... Came to hear him. So here was John the Baptizer, the most well known and sought after man in Israel. Even Josephus wrote about him in his history, in his antiquities. He wrote of John's encounters with Herod. So it's no wonder that the Jewish leaders and scholars, probably representing the Sanhedrin, sent messengers from Jerusalem out to the wilderness to question John. Whether John liked it or not, they considered him to be under their authority. They were the the spiritual and governmental leaders, Jewish leaders in Israel. Everyone was under their authority. They needed to do their due diligence and know whether this preacher was a threat to their established order. And what did they ask him? What did they ask him? I love this. Look at verse 19. Who are you? Who are you? Many were saying he was the Christ. And that's. They didn't say, are you the Christ? But the first thing in answer to the question. John told them he was not the Christ. Now, verse 20. He confessed and did not deny, but confessed. it's, It's convoluted. It sounds convoluted to us. It's convoluted also in the Greek. It seems strange. The meaning of the verse is that he emphatically, he emphatically made no. He left no doubt that he was not the Christ. He was saying, read my lips. Let everyone in heaven and earth know I am not the Christ. And they responded immediately. What then? Are you Elijah? Malachi's last words, look it up. The last words of the Old Testament had been that God would send Elijah just before the Messiah. That's why they asked the question. Now, Jesus later said that is exactly who John was. But John was afraid. They would ask, are you Elijah? John was afraid that they would think that he was Elijah reincarnated, that he was actually Elijah that had returned. And so he said, I'm not Elijah. And by the way, they did. He did dress like Elijah. Elijah wore camel hair and a brown belt and ate the wilderness food. And he wasn't Elijah. Are you the prophet then? That's what they asked. They went down the list. Moses had prophesied that God would send another prophet like him. He said, I'm not that prophet. Their questions intimating. Think about this. Their questions intimating that he might be the Christ, that he might be Elijah or the prophet. That denoted his powerful fame. That should speak to us. Even these questioners considered that he might be the Christ or the Elijah or the prophet. Then they were exasperated. Then who are you? You're not just another preacher, John. You're turning Israel upside down. The Sanhedrin needs to know. So John quoted from the prophet Isaiah. He said, I'm the one Isaiah wrote about. I'm the voice. I love that. I'm the voice. I'm the voice crying out in the wilderness. They knew exactly what John was saying. It was, it was a well-known Messianic passage in the Old Testament from Isaiah 40. It's there on your scripture sheet. A voice cries out, In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every, every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. You know, if you've been to Israel, or when you go to Israel, you would, you'll, you'll see that, that is, it is a, a country of varying geography. Uh, you, have, you have mountains, you have valleys, you have rolling hills, you have desert. And John is saying here the Messiah is coming. Lift up the valleys. Lower the mountains. Make the road level for the Messiah. I'm that voice. Well, then they ask him, Why are you baptizing? Administering baptism was strange to them. They knew about proselyte baptism, but even proselyte baptism, in proselyte baptism, the proselyte administered his own bath. Why are you baptizing? John had already told them, and he said it again. He's simply preparing Israel spiritually for the arrival of the Messiah. Look at verse 26. John answered them, why am I baptizing I baptize you with water, but among you stands one whose straps the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He was, what was he saying? He said, if you think I'm something, you cannot imagine what he will do. John knew exactly who he was. But we'll come back to that in a moment. In this passage, we see that he also knew who Jesus. That he also knew who Jesus was. The next day, he's speaking to a crowd, and he sees Jesus coming toward them. And he points to him and he shouts. Now he's speaking to a crowd, and Jesus is approaching. And he says, "Behold." He's saying, look, look, you see him. Look, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world of all the things he could have said. This is strange. Behold, there he is, Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say that. Behold, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of David. He didn't say that. Oh, the Lamb of God. Now, this terminology is more unusual than you may think. In the Gospels, John, the baptizer, is the only one who calls Jesus the Lamb of God. That's in the Gospels. The disciples never address him as a Lamb of God. Now, the Apostle John does, as we've seen in our study of Revelation, on every page speaks about him being the lamb, but not in the gospel. And yet John chooses to use that phrase in introducing Jesus. The very first thing, behold the lamb of God. Why? Right at the beginning, John is telling us the greater mission of Jesus. Jesus will do what no other prophet had ever done. Now they're going to, see his early ministry, and they're going to see that he would make the blind to see and the deaf to hear, the paralyzed to walk. He would heal from the terrifying disease of leprosy. I think that would just be the worst disease, and it was. It, it was a disease that, that caused isolation. You could no longer be around your family. It was just with lepers, and, and your features would just rot. It would be easy to say, that was his mission. If You saw him healing all these people. That was his mission. And he healed them, as we've said, by fiat. Because of that ministry of Jesus. Hospitals have been built in his name all over the world. But that was not his major mission. We can look at his teaching. His teaching was like no other no other teacher. His teaching was like no one that was like no one had ever heard. The Sermon on the Mount is is hailed even today in its ethical and moral teaching by Christians and by non Christians alike. Thousands of volumes have been written and published about the ethics of Jesus. But that was not his main mission. Behold the lamb that God sent. For what reason? To take away the sins of the world. Jesus the lamb could only refer to one event. The event of lambs being sacrificed on the altar. Lambs being sacrificed for sin. Lambs being sacrificed at the Passover. Now let's get back. To John, knowing who he was. When Jesus came to John to be baptized, we've read that in our studies in other Gospels. He came to John and he said, I want you to baptize me. Jesus did not need cleansing. This was a baptism denoting cleansing, he didn't need cleansing. This baptism was an anointing of Jesus as Messiah. Baptism grew out of the anointing system of the Old Testament. When a king was anointed, priests were anointed. And he set apart for this work. Well, this was an anointing that set Jesus apart as prophet, priest, and king of Israel as Messiah. So when, John, when Jesus said, John, I want you to baptize me. What did John say? Did John say, Jesus, you came to the right place. I've been waiting. I'm the baptizer in Israel. But let's wait a couple of days and assemble even a larger crowd. Can you imagine what it would look like? John, the baptizer, anointing the Messiah. What a scene. That's not what John said. I think that's what a lot of preachers today would say. John spoke as a needy, needy sinner. He said, I'm not worthy to baptize you, Jesus. Rather, I need to be baptized by you, I need cleansing. John knew himself. He knew he's not only the voice, but he knew that he was a sinful man. Remember, here's the man calling of all of Israel to be baptized, cleansed of sin, prepared for the Messiah, leading this great revival. John knew himself. Here was this this man of God. Known for his holiness. He said that not only because he knew who Jesus was. But because he knew who he was. Do you know how difficult that is? For. For. A person to admit their decrepitness, their sin, especially if they're in a position like John was. You know how hard it is for the alcoholic to admit that he or she is an alcoholic? Especially if they're well known as a business leader, a banker, a lawyer, school teacher, coach, farmer, father. It's hard to say. I'm a drunkard. I'm an alcoholic. John was the most famous preacher in the world. He was in the exalted, in an exalted position spiritually. Yet he was a sinner who needed a sacrificial lamb. This passage shouted to me all week long, John, do you know yourself? And I put that question to you this morning. Do you know yourself as one who needs to be cleansed by the lamb? John was speaking as a God appointed and God anointed prophet. He was exceptional in every area of his life. Jesus called him the greatest prophet in Israel. Think about that. That's what Jesus said about him. John said, Jesus, I need you to baptize me. I need cleansing. I need the lamb. I thought about this all week long. Have you ever thought of the truth that Jesus is the Savior of Abraham, Moses, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Peter, John, Paul? Now, if all those folks were sinners who needed a lamb, what's that say about John Sartell? What's that say about us? John knew he needed a sacrificial lamb, and Jesus was the lamb of all lambs. But in this passage, John called Jesus by another title. Look at verse 34. He not only called him the lamb, he said, I have seen and borne witness that this is a son of God. And when John said that, he had never, he had not seen Jesus do one miracle. He hadn't seen him heal anyone. He had not seen him make the blind to see or the paralyzed to walk. He only had it by the word of God. It's what God had told him. I thought about this all afternoon last Sunday in this week. We, last Sunday, we looked at, at Jesus, the son of God, as he became flesh. Jesus, the word who was, who was not only with God in creation, he was, in, he was he was not only with God, he was God. All things were made by him. We said last week, John doubles down on that. He didn't say just all things were made by him. He said and without him was not anything made that would make. If it exists, he made it. You see, this is what captivated me. When John saw Jesus walking toward him, he did not see this gigantic spiritual being. He he wasn't like Isaiah in the temple that saw this glory and fell on his face and saw the seraphim covering their faces. He wasn't with the disciples on the when Jesus was transfigured and was as bright as the morning sun. He just saw an ordinary, hardworking Jewish man walking toward him. And he said, he is deity. He was not only willing to call him the Lamb of God, He was not only ready to recognize himself as a decrepit sinner who needed a lamb, he was just as ready to abandon his exalted position as the greatest preacher in the world, the spiritual leader of Israel. Remember the verse we read a moment ago? I baptize you with water, but among you stands one. You do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap, whose sandal I'm not worthy to untie. That was a saying in Israel I'm not worthy to take the dirty sandals off of his dirty feet. The disciples of a rabbi in that day, not only were there to to listen to the rabbinical teachings of that specific rabbi, but they were to take care of the rabbi. The rabbi did not look after their personal needs. They looked after the personal needs of the rabbi. Remember when When Jesus told the disciples, Go get that donkey, that colt, for me to ride in Jerusalem, he sent them to do that. Remember when he sent them to organize the Passover supper in the upper room? He sent them to do that. That was their responsibility. But the disciple of a rabbi, there were limitations of what his responsibility was. He was not required. To take the sandals off of the rabbi's feet. That's a dirty job. Walking on those dusty roads all night. Sweaty feet. Dirty feet. Take those sandals. Wash the feet. No disciple was required to do that. That was left to the slave that was on the bottom rung of the social ladder in the house. John was saying. We're dealing with God in this Messiah. I'm not even worthy to be the slave who looks after the dirty sandals and feet. I'm not worthy of that. John the Baptist not only knew who he was, he knew who God was. So this morning, as we walk away from worship, Do you really understand who you are? Do you know yourself to be a sinner? I mean, really? A reprobate? In need of sacrifice? Do you know Jesus as a Lord of Lords, the King of all kings, the creator? And even if you were an archangel, you would not be able, you would not be worthy to look on his face. You know that you're not God. Do we know that? We're not self-made. Calvin was right. It's imperative that we know who we are. And the only way we can do that It's when we stand before the Almighty. Our closing hymn is very appropriate. All glory be to Christ.